Welcome to MedTech Chat, where we discover the latest healthcare tools, device technology, as well as research approaches. We'll be talking to designers, insight professionals, and other executives to better understand how MedTech is helping patients and those caring for them now and in the future. So today I'm very excited to be talking to Scott Nelson. He is a self-described medical device and health technology enthusiast and has held various commercial leadership roles for some of the largest healthcare companies in the world, including Medtronic, Covidian, Boston Scientific, and C.R. Bard. Since 2015, he's been involved in a number of startups, head of partnerships at Touch Surgery, acquired by Medtronic, co-founder of Juve, a high-growth direct-to-consumer medical technology company, and founding partner and managing director at Big Sky Biomedical, an interventional device incubator. In mid-2021, Scott helped FastWave Medical close on an investment plus milestone-based acquisition agreement within six months of forming the company and now leads a small team as a CEO. So thanks for joining me today, Scott. Tom, thanks for the uh, the introduction. So yeah, maybe you can start telling us about what you've been up to these days. Yeah, well, you 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 did a nice job summarizing that in, in the in the intro. So um, I'll go back in time. Hopefully that'll, that'll be most valuable for uh, for for your for your listeners here. But I'll go back in time a little bit and then kind of fast forward to the to the future. So I've spent most of my uh, my professional career in traditional med tech, um, primarily the, uh, the the cardiovascular arena uh, with companies. Um, some of the companies that you mentioned, right? Um, uh, Bard uh, Peripheral Vascular, which is uh, which was uh, acquired by by Becton Dickinson. Uh, Boston Scientific, uh, and then spent, uh, gosh, uh, six, seven years, maybe a little bit longer than, longer than that, with uh, with Covidian and then Medtronic. Um, and then after I after I left um, Medtronic in 2015, um, uh, the entrepreneurial kind of bug bit me. Right, it was good. There was a good opportunity to uh, to, uh, to join the, the Touch Surgery uh, team, which is a London-based digital health startup. Um, spent uh, spent a short tenure there, and they were uh, they were uh, eventually requ- uh, acquired by Medtronic. Um, they, had a, they had a nice exit, and then um, around that same time frame, I um, on a, on a whim um, kind of fell into the uh, the light light therapy space with Juve, um, the direct to consumer kind of med tech company that you referenced in the intro. Um, and and red light therapy is technically technically referred to as, as photobiomodulation. It's actually a, a subspecialty of medicine. You know, there's there's uh, you know conferences where you know PhDs, academics, clinicians, you know, present on stage the, the latest clinical data when it comes to uh, using uh, using um, light energy to uh, uh, to deliver you know certain clinical results. And so um, anyway, that 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 company Juve ended up um, we ended up doing um, extremely well with that. We uh, um, in within four years we went from zero to uh, twenty million dollars in top line revenue with really strong EBITs. Um, and uh, entirely bootstrapped, right? So didn't ever have to raise raise around a capital. So um, that that opportunity with Juve um, really gave me some interesting insights, which we can certainly uh, get into around this uh, this kind of these these blending worlds of of traditional med tech and, and consumer driven health. Um, so um, yeah, that was that was a that was a, a fun ride at Juve, and then in early 2020, made the decision to pursue some other projects. Uh, joined up with a team of, of uh, um, engineers and a couple other folks that I, I know well in Minneapolis to uh, to formalize this incubator, which you referenced, called Big Sky Biomedical. It's more of an accelerator versus uh, versus incubator. And two of our companies, um, one was a spin out that was uh, that was formed by Big Sky Partners called Fastwave Medical. The other one is Crossfire Medical, 
Um, but Fastwave is, is where I'm spending most of my time these days. Um, as the as the CEO leading a leading a, a small team, um, uh, developing products in the in the uh, endovascular space, um, and that that was a, that was a bit Fastwave is it was a bit of a unique deal because we we formed the company and then closed on an acquisition uh, or an investment plus acquisition uh, 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 agreement with with milestone um, with with uh, development and regulatory milestones within about within about six months. Um, so ex- extremely fast for the for the world of uh, for the world of, of medical devices. So yeah, I'm spending most of my time um, with with Fastwave these days. Yeah, that's very impressive. Uh, that's pretty quick. I'm wondering, maybe you did mention this overlap between traditional med tech and consumer-driven health. I'm wondering if you could kind of tell us more about that and how companies should be thinking more about their direct-to-consumer initiatives. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, we've seen over the last, what, decade or so, we've seen pharma um, allocate, big pharma allocate a lot of, of resources towards direct-to-consumer direct to um, uh, commercialization, direct-to-consumer marketing um obviously they're they're promoting you know medications and drugs versus uh versus uh you know medical devices but um anymore there's there's a, there's a kind of a renewed interest um that that I'm seeing specifically with with traditional medical device you know strategics uh Medtronic Boston Scientific etc um to engage the consumer audiences with what appear to be more traditional med- medical devices and so um i think that trend is only going to continue moving forward um, in fact, um, through my experiences with Juve, it's been very, very clear that, that there's the, there's a, there's a very, there's a, a huge bur- burgeoning, uh, interest within the broader kind of consumer population to invest in their health. Um, and I'm, t- w- without the need for, with insurance, um, you know, uh, consumers willing to pay uh, a lot of money, cash, um, for, for certain devices. Um, and so I think that that trend will only only continue, and you know the onus is really on medical device companies to to really really rethink who their audiences are. You know, not not to say that that um, uh, physicians won't be their primary audiences or payers won't be their primary uh, you know their 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 key stakeholders, but um, but forgetting the consumer or not not um, not keeping the consumer in mind is going to going to be a mistake. In fact, you know we're recording this here in late uh, late 2021, and I think. Um, um, Jeff Martha at Medtronic, you know, there was a recent, uh, um, I think he was recently stated in a, in, a, in, a, in a press release that, you know, they're going through a rebranding initiative, right, that's more consumer-oriented to keep up with Apple and Google and these, these, these much bigger companies that are, that are uh, getting into the, the healthcare space. So I think, uh, I think this, this addressing this kind of this burgeoning consumer-driven health kind of trend is, is going to be key for, uh, for medical device companies in the, in the future. That's great. Yeah, in fact, aligned to that, our company, Branding Science, uh, we try to keep the patient front and center. So while we're helping mm-hmm. our clients, we always think about the patients that they're serving. That's one of our noble purposes. So it's great to right. hear that. Um, it's interesting, as you say that, I think about some of the clients I've worked with, and they think about their strategy of what they're going to be doing in a space and whether it's going to be a direct-to-consumer versus, as you say, kind of going through maybe, I don't know, with providers or through payers. And I wonder if part of it is that it's simply an, an easier path versus um, maybe something that's more complicated but long-term more profitable. I don't know if you have any insights into, you know, the different pathways someone might take and why one might be a better direction. Yeah, de- de- definitely. I think, in, in fact, that's that's probably a great example of what I of what I mentioned previously, where 
Um, you know, most of when, when, when in the medical device world, you know, most of us think about direct to consumer or direct to patient. We think about keep, keeping the patient in mind, of course, in front, in front and center. That's 100% correct. But um, the implications are, are, a bit, are, are a bit wider. You know, when you think about a device that could be commercialized over the counter, as an example, right, at maybe a higher price point, but without maybe, you know, uh, a, a, C, a CPT code or a HixPix code uh, and without sort of payer support, you know, the, the normal response would be, well, we definitely need we need we need insurance companies to not only cover this but reimburse for it for it for in order, in order to see commercial success. And I I would argue that is not necessarily the case. Consumers are in fact, you know, if, if positioned correctly, consumers are in fact willing to pay out of pocket a lot a lot of money out of pocket um, for a for a product if it's going to positively impact their health. And so. Um, you know, I, I think I think those types of questions addressed earlier on, you know, in the in the in the sort of the, the R and D or the development uh, process are, are pretty crucial. And I and I would, you know, my I guess my um, probably one of the biggest things that I would probably drive home for the listeners that 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 are interested in this in this topic is just just keep that in mind. Don't don't be afraid of, of you know of, of going direct to consumer, direct to patient, you know, o- over the counter, um, even even if you have to sell at a higher ASP. Um, there's a market. There's a, there's a big demand um, for, uh, for for that if if you if you're able to position your your products appropriately. Would you say it's also in some ways easier because you don't have to do as much things with the regulatory? Um, I, it depends, right? It depends on on the sort of the, the regulatory pathway for sure. You know, I mean, if if it's uh you know if it's a five ten k pathway, but but with with an OTC um, uh, sort of um, if it, it, it's open, it, it, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not forced to, uh, uh, regulatory bodies don't, don't force you to require some sort of like physician uh, uh, prescription. Yeah, I think it can, it can be easier. I, I would say the, the more clear, straightforward path is just being, is the, um, uh, is the ability to, to just uh, be in direct contact with your eventual end users, right? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, a power in that. Like one, one good example I had, I had um, uh, Rohan Dixit, um, He's the uh, the founder of Leaf, which is a wearable device. Um, I had him on uh, my podcast, MedSider, oh gosh, probably a couple months ago, and we talked about this very same thing. And they they, they took a, a I think a very strategic, a very smart approach with their with their de- with their device, in, in the sense that their first one that they they marketed was a, they marketed as a, just a general health and wellness product, right? So in that scenario, there was no there was really not a lot much regulatory um, oversight at all. And they did that because it allowed them to get to market extremely quick. They had to be, you know, they couldn't be as aggressive maybe with their with their claims and their positioning, but it allowed it allowed them to sh- to ship quickly and really get get feedback, get direct, you know, feedback from their from their um, for their end users. And they used a lot of that to formulate a kind of a, a more med tech version of their product, right? A more um, a more traditional, uh, which which ended up being a little bit more of a traditional pathway, regulatory pathway. And commercial pathway, um, and so I think that is a that that's an extremely smart approach because you you're able to get um, you're able to ship ship devices quickly get get them in the hands of your end users and learn a lot. The feedback loop is just that much faster. And so if, if there's if there's a if there's a path you know for anyone listening if there's a path to do that with your device or, or your your product, um, I would encourage you to, to to look at that to evaluate that because it's a it, it could be a very smart smart play. Hmm. Thank you. That sounds like a fascinating way to go about it. Um, you know, as, as you were talking about your background, I'm wondering if you could tell us more about the model you have with Big Sky uh, Biomedical and, you know, about how large med tech companies are outsourcing R&D. Yeah, yep. Um, 
Yeah, this this is an interesting this is an interesting topic, and you know, inc uh, accelerators or incubators aren't aren't it, it's not a not a new model at all um, within within medical device, but very few you know really really work perhaps for a sustaining sustaining pow uh, power, and so one of our um, one of like a, one of our our, our core um, thesis at, at 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 Big Sky is to is is the direct connection to to deal flow and, and the contract manufacturer, and so a lot our, our partners at Big Sky own and operate a um one of the one of the uh, like a a very fast growing contract manufacturer in Minneapolis and which which sees a lot of, of of deal flow right they see a lot of ideas and concepts from engineers from physicians and so they see a lot but then be, because of because of the because they're directly incentivized um they they can um to make to turning these ideas into 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 like reality um we're able to move extremely fast and go from zero to one extremely fast because of the uh, um, because of the, um, the, the, the connection to the contract manufacturer. And so that, that's kind of crucial to our model at, at, at Big Sky where you have, you have, um, a, a, a kind of a core cross-functional team. Um, they're all, they're all kind of aligned around the same incentives of taking, taking ideas and, and going from zero to one. And that, that's, that's really powerful because most big strategics anymore, they're, they're, Internal capabilities from an R&D perspective are, um, even though there's there's extremely smart people that that work in these in these R&D departments across the board, it's just it's 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 very difficult to get anything done um, in a in a in a in a fast timeline. So these these R&D uh, projects, you know, end up being five, seven, ten years, you know, in in the making when you know they could be outsourced right through uh, an accelerator like Big Sky, um, that um, maybe maybe for a, at, a, at a less at a less Sort of valuation than a, than a traditional startup, but we can move extremely fast, right? So you know your typical PDP at, at a uh, um, at a uh, large strategic maybe you know three to five years, we could get it done in you know eighteen to twenty four months, right? So and and th this trend of kind of like large strategic sort of outsourcing the, these these smaller R and D projects that that's a you know that's that that that's happening, right? Um, you know CSI has done cardiovascular systems has done a number of these deals. Um, we're starting to see that that more and more, and it's just an opportunity for for large strategics to to leverage their their balance sheet, right, and uh, and move extremely quick quickly with some of these um, smaller scale uh, smaller scale projects. So it sounds kind of like a win win because you're collaborating across different companies, you're getting things done faster, it gets faster into the end users' hands. Um, um, what's the reason for getting such great speed when you're outsourcing that way? Yeah, yeah, and so so if, when you think about like the traditional pathway, like at a at a large strategic, right? They've got a lot of capital, but you know, there's there's it's it, it, it's incredibly hard to get anything done quickly, right? I think that's probably pretty pretty well understood for most of most of uh, your listeners. Um, but on on the flip side, when you think about a normal startup in the in the device world, you know, you're like those those very early stages, right? Those those pre seed kind of kind of stages, they're just really tough because you're trying to you're trying to oftentimes you know, get a turn, turn a uh, uh, you know back of the napkin sort of idea into into some some sort of concept that you can you can you can showcase, um, and it's expensive to do that. It's not it's not cheap to come up with some of these some of these concepts and, and and prototypes. So it requires some sort of cash up front. But 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 finding you know finding angels finding investors at that early stage is is so is so hard. And so you have you have this kind of this interesting dynamic where there's a lot of capital sort of sitting on the sidelines of these large strategics and they, they just can't, they can't move fast on their R and D projects. And then on the, on the other side of the spectrum, you've got, 
you know, a lot of innovative engineers, physicians, et cetera, that have great ideas, but don't have, the, don't have necessarily the, the easy access to, to capital and resources to actually um, execute, you know, um, against, against that idea. And so that's really where, where we're trying to, with, with Big Sky, is we're really trying to, like, solve for that, that need, right, and, and blending those two worlds together. And so an ideal deal for us is, is um, we'll take an idea, right, that we think has legs, um, evaluated across a number of different uh, a, a number of different sort of categories, if you will, um, and then what we'll try to do is 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 find identify a strategic or a couple strategics um, very early where this where it could be uh, it could be a very nice um, addition to their portfolio, and we'll try to establish these uh, these um, balance sheet funded deals um, very early these these uh, these transactions where you know a strategic will make an investment whether it's in the form of a um, a convertible note or, you know, an equity-based investment, um, but, but also the, the acquisition milestones are built in from the get-go, right? Um, so there's, very, there's a very clear roadmap, and all, all sort of stakeholders that are involved in that project are aligned around the, the, the timelines. And so, you know, we, we feel like that's a, that's a, that's a very um, interesting model, and it, 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 is, it, is, it is kind of your classic definition of a, of a win-win for, for, uh, for everyone involved. That's great. Thanks for explaining that. Uh, the other thing I was wondering about, if you could tell us more about MedCider, I know that you've been doing a lot there. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, it's, um, MedCider is a, is a podcast that I've uh, that I've had for, gosh, the better part of a decade. Um, you know, when I was sort of growing up in the in the medical device space, you know, gosh, back in 2007, 2008 timeframe, um, I was on I was on the road quite a bit, and so I got I really got into consuming a lot of podcasts. And this this was back before you know the only the when, when the only um, the only way to listen to a podcast was uh, was you know using the native app on your on your iPhone. And so podcasting was kind of early back then, and um, I, I learned so much from other from other entrepreneurs. But most of the content was was focused on other verticals, right? Uh, SaaS, um, 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 other uh, uh, e-commerce, etc. And there was nothing really specific to med tech, and I was like, you know, th- this is this is interesting. I've gotten so much value from listening to these podcasts uh, with other with other uh, startup founders, um, et cetera. But like, it would be interesting to, to do something or to, to learn more from people in the in the medical device arena. And so I started MedSider on kind of a whim back in gosh 2009 ish, and sort of been at it ever since then. Um, and I, I typically interview. Um, founders or you know or CEOs of of, uh, of smaller companies that either are on a on a on a on a, a nice trajectory or recently exited, and so it's really and, and we cover you know we cover topics like um, you know best practices uh, uh, for for capital fundraising, how to think about you know um, regulatory challenges earlier on in the in the development process, um, what are the what are the uh, the strategic ways to uh, to um, uh, to engage with insurance. Uh, Payers um, uh, earlier on as you're as you're kind of ideating on your on your devices and so that's where kind of most of the conversations unfold is kind of they're, they're much more sort of startup uh, startup oriented. Excellent. We'll have to all go check that out. Thanks for telling us more about it. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I'm just curious if you could tell me uh, if you have a historical figure or a fictional character that you relate to or inspired by. Ooh, that's a that's a uh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I may, you know, Tom, I may have actually missed that. You know, when you when you when you when you initially uh, when you initially <laughs> sent, <laughs> sent, sent that over, um, you know, 
you know, in, ter- in terms of, you know, an, an historical figure, I mean, probably someone that comes to mind would be, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln would be kind of a classic, uh, a classic uh, uh, historical figure that I find uh, inspiring. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I think you've inspired me and many others today by sharing some of the things you've been up to. So I appreciate that. Um, obviously, I can post things on my website. Is there any place in particular people should go to find out more? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, probably I'll leave I'll leave everyone with with maybe two thoughts. One is if, if you wanna if you wanna uh, if you're interested in in, um, in hearing from other kind of startup uh, startup founders, check out Medsider. It's just Medsider.com. M-E-D-S-I-D-E-R. Medsider.com. And if you're uh, you know if you're a physician or an engineer, you've got a great medical device idea. That's uh that's in the uh, kind of the, the broader cardiovascular space, um, you know, feel free to check out Big Sky Biomedical. That's the uh, kind of the accelerator incubator that we that we chatted about. That's just BigSkyBiomedical.com. Excellent. Well, thank you. I'll make sure to post those on the site, and I appreciate your time today. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tom. It's great to catch up. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please check out medtechchat.com for more podcasts and blogs. See you there.